Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris from Weekly Games Chat. Along with my co-hosts, Sean and John, we cover the latest video games every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. We also make sure to rant about the latest movies, TV shows, and happenings in the sports world. If you like the show, catch one of our live streams on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, or even take the biggest jump of all and join our community on Discord. All found by simply searching Weekly Games Chat. Until then, I'll simply say game on in your mom's box. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small, such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash artcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another episode of Arcast Mini. This is Arcast Mini number 35, and I am here with Fabian from Fabraz. How's it going there, Fabian? Hello, hello. I'm doing well, thanks. And um, so Fabraz, uh, like they're known for games like Slime Son and whatnot, but uh, you guys started getting into publishing, and uh, there is a game that you are publishing that is coming out very soon here on January 30th. Uh, called Skellboy, and um, Skellboy, like at least from like what little I've played of it at uh, different conventions, uh, you basically play as a little skeleton boy, more or less, uh, who is uh, you know who is like a hero in like a town, uh, trying to uh, you know basically kind of like save the day, and you basically swap out different body parts in order to do that, right? Correct. Yes, that's kind of its big uh, difference in terms of uh, mechanics. Is that instead of relying on armor pieces you'd be wearing traditionally in an RPG, it's actually literally swapping out the entirety of your body parts: your torso, your feet, your head, um, which kind of drastically changes how things feel once you really kind of change yourself entirely. Yeah, it's definitely a very like different take, I'd say, like on the traditional action RPG kind of mechanics. Anyway, in that sense, like you know, with, with mm-hmm. like, the different armor pieces and whatnot. Um, so, I'm kind of curious, like, where did this like idea, I guess, like come from? As far as like you know, playing as a skeleton and just like you know, swapping on body parts like this. I think it kind of came naturally, uh, just because of the the theme of it. That uh, when you're a skeleton, you kind of are able to uh, adapt rather e- easily. I mean, it kind of is a little bit like my favorite bizarre take on philosophy that i've seen in a long time in the game where you know if you swap out every single thing of yourself are you still yourself is there mm. a soul <laughs> metaphysical a little bit like in that exactly case, right? yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so that makes a question then like you know as far as like how many body parts there are in the game to swap out to mm-hmm. um the exact number escapes me but i believe it's somewhere in the 50 to 60 uh wow. pieces yeah 
Um, and it's uh, what's kind of interesting about the fact that you literally swap out your body parts is that there's no inventory. So that means you have to kind of give up of whatever you're currently wearing with whatever you want to pick up next. Um, it's dollar nothing kind of thing. Then uh, exactly, exactly. So if you, for example, fight uh, a little plant monster that has the ability to shoot seeds, and you pick up its head, you gain that ability to shoot its seeds. But then if you encounter um, a knight and he drops his head with helmet included, uh, it comes with the ability of defending yourself off seeds instead. So there's all of this kind of like interesting. What do we want to do with it? Um, what I really like about the game, um, though, is that it starts off linear, and it kind of does that because it wants you to constantly experiment with the body pieces you pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, but around at the halfway point, there's a pivotal moment where the game becomes pretty insanely open world. Um, and at that moment, you unlock a crypt where you can teleport between save graves, which is where you resurrect whenever you die. Um, but you also get a, in that crypt a, finally, at, at that halfway point, a collection of all the pieces you've ever picked up and that's mm. the fine that's the point then where you can suddenly say okay now i can go and kind of mix and match to my favorite pieces i've pick, picked up until now and that's also where you then see how much you've collected so far now by any chance uh, was the crypt idea lifted from mortal Kombat at all or <laughs> uh, i don't think so but i'd, I'd have to ask the team <laughs> okay yeah because like it seems like there's like definitely some inspiration there anyway because like there's obviously the whole idea with like you know with like, the crypt and the mortal Kombat games where you can kind of go there and like unlock more stuff but like it mm-hmm. also it's also it also kind of serves as like a collection of unlockables in that case uh but in this particular case uh for scaleboy like it certainly makes sense just with the overall theme of the game and like who the character is and like all mm-hmm. that stuff so that's that, yeah that's that's really cool to see um and uh also like you know in terms of like the um you know, having like the different like abilities and all that stuff, like you know, kind of like attached it to, to the different body parts that you have. It's definitely, um, you know, it definitely feels like it's encouraging a lot of like swap and swap out, like on the fly, like at any given definitely. moment, you know, whichever like ability I guess that you need at that given time. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 that's why I was also mentioning that that moment where you can then actually in your crib pick up other pieces because at that point also it'll really start asking of you to think cleverly uh, you know if there's a if there's a pond you can't cross because you drown maybe you have a pair of feet that actually can walk over that water or um if there's a scenario where there's a ton of crows uh, flying in and constantly attacking you from the sky and they're hard to hit maybe you have a certain uh, headpiece that allows you to protect yourself from those attacks it really encourages you to swap that stuff out constantly interesting all right and, um, you know, there's also the visual style of the game, too, which uh, certainly um, really grabbed my attention. Like the very first time I, you know, I even like heard of Scaleboy, mm-hmm. um, it, it kind of like gives me a little bit of a um, more detailed Minecraft sort of like vibe, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, can you like get into, I guess, like where the inspirations, I guess, came from as far as like this visual style for Scaleboy? Yeah. So um, the uh, artist Sabi um, traditionally felt uh, stronger with 2D illustration work and pixel arts than with um, 3D modeling. That's kind of been changing recently, actually. I think she's actually kind of learned Blender quite a bit. Um, But uh, at the time, that was the case. And so they decided to land on an art style where she can still illustrate everything in pixel art. And then in the engine, it's extruded into a 3D uh, object, basically, with a a sense of depth. Um, So that's all done in the engine. Um, And so... It was almost like a little bit like a limitation that spawned this unique aesthetic. But then once uh, the team realized how amazing it looks, they really dove deep into it and kind of even play with it thematically. Um, so in 
that you'll notice in the dialogue and in general in the in the in the lore of this world you explore, they very much emphasize there's nothing round, right? Round doesn't exist. The circle doesn't exist. So they <laughs> refer to themselves as cubicle. They talk about pixels. Um, the, the sun is a great cu- uh, sun cube in the sky. Um, the uh, the king is called the grand dice. Everything is cubic. Um, and so I think that kind of spawned just this, not only a fun aesthetic, but also the the world kind of playing into that art aesthetic. Yeah, it kind of like reminds me a little bit of Fez in that case, like in terms mm-hmm. of like how like you know, how the people view like I guess like the world outside of them, and like nothing can be beyond like what it is. Like that's like exactly. their own little world, very much. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, you know, as far as like how like the story goes, I know that you play as like the skeleton called uh, Skippy, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, you're trying to fight off against like this magician who's basically looking to like destroy the world, more or less. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything like about like the story without I guess like giving away too much anyway um, that would really grab people's attention with Skellboy? Yeah, and I can speak up for this from personal experience when playing through the game myself numerous times. The narrative does something. There's a there's a little twist that um, I don't think anybody will expect, but I think a lot of people will find both surprising and cool. Um, mm. So I'm not going to give away too much, but I can definitely tell you that the narrative starts up definitely simple while incredibly humorous i think um i guess for people who are listening like don't know what anything about skellboy the initial premise basically is that um the warlock of the kingdom uh really wanted to date the princess and the princess then just completely rejects him and in retaliation you know because his heart is broken uh he resurrects the dead and kind of decides to take over the kingdom as one does yeah <laughs> exactly exactly and that's also the reason why you're alive because he was kind of a dingus and also resurrected ancient heroes and so that ancient hero is you but yeah so throughout the the game you will not only learn more about uh Squarmon, which is the warlock but you'll also encounter the king you'll encounter the four squires which all have their own backstories and as to why they aren't able to save the kingdom and that why they're relying on you. And you will also learn about your own background story because everybody refers to you as that ancient hero, but what hero? What exactly have you done? Um, that gets explored and it's a, it's a really fun uh, little twist, I think, uh, in, the, in, the, in the second half of the game. So even though you are this like resurrected hero in a sense, no one like really knows you anyway. I guess because you've been like a hero from so long ago, I guess in that case. Exactly. Yeah. It, they downright are scared of you. They just think you're another... Uh, you know, another zombie. And yeah, that's they? right, actually. Yeah, because like, I, I remember when I was playing the game and um, what was it? Like the townspeople like, who are like around you, they, they're like trying to run away and they're mm-hmm. like think that you're like another monster or whatever. It's just like, no, I'm here to like to help you or whatever. But like, obviously you you're not like, talking to them. Exactly. The skeleton, yeah. the skeleton walks up to you. Would you be like, hey, dude? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's a skeleton warrior guy guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Also, like the game is coming out for Steam, but also Nintendo Switch. Um, have there been any specific challenges, I guess, with um, with bringing the game to Nintendo Switch in this case? I mean, just the usual stuff when uh, when you have to port to a, a, a portable device. Um, there was a lot of fine tuning and tweaking that we had to do, and there's more that we'll be doing. Um, we actually are currently uh, working on this really large patch um, that uh, I'll probably be posting publicly at one point, the patch notes of it. Um, that one can expect probably a week or so after release, maybe two weeks after release. Um, so the team, the team has been very actively listening to feedback and trying to address most of the things that come up from um, the early look that uh, reviewers and influencers have had. Um, so and, and and we'll continue listening while when, when people actually then you know 
the, the, everybody else gets to join in on the fun. Um, so definitely expect continuous support for a while. Is there any uh, co-op play also for Scaleboy? I know the team really wants to do it. I can't promise that it's going to happen, though. Mm. Um, but uh, maybe? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it, like, it seems like the game is kind of ripe for it, honestly, just because, you know, again, it's, you know, it's an action RPG. It's kind of like on, like, the simpler side a little bit, like, in terms of, like, mm. how to play and stuff. Uh, it seems like anyone can pretty much jump in and kind of, like, play it. So Yeah, conce- conce- conceptually, it feels completely right. The problem is just on a implementation side obviously it's 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 quite complicated so i mean i can imagine so for sure but uh possibly like down the road for like dlc or something like that like you know i, I can see yeah. that being the case yeah mm-hmm. but you're definitely looking at a easy five to ten hour experience um depending on how much uh, of an explorer you are how much of a completionist you are and um in terms of also like speaking with like nintendo at all like you know like were there any like specific like hoops or hurdles they had like kind of jump through in order to kind of get it on their platform not at all. I mean, we, we've, we've worked with Nintendo uh, before, both with Slimestan, as you mentioned, prior, and also Spirit Sphere DX, which was our first game that we acted as a publisher on. And so we definitely have a really great relationship with them. And with Scalboy in particular, they've been so incredibly supportive. You know, showing our trailer on the um, Indie World uh, stream was fantastic. They uh, gave us booth space at Gamescom and uh, Comic-Con Russia and Fantasy Basel. Um, so they've been they've been really great about it's just straight up seems like they're really excited about the game like everybody else which is just very encouraging and you know, it's Nintendo how can you complain about Nintendo exactly yeah um, which leads me into like uh, asking you this actually uh, since obviously uh, since you're like part of like for Brad's and all that um, and making like indie games on like the Nintendo Switch um, how would you I guess like describe Nintendo's push in getting more indie games like onto their platform. Oh, I'd, I'd say that they, they've done an incredible job. I, I think that now I'm starting to see Sony and Microsoft playing catch-up again and also trying to become more and more indie-friendly once more. Um, Xbox has been actually relatively strong with indie-friendliness, but Sony kind of gave up on it a little bit. This gen, and it seems like it's building up again for next gen, though. But it's, I think a lot of it is because they saw just what kind of impact it had uh, with Nintendo and, and, and their Switch, because... I think the the most fascinating aspect really was that thanks to Nintendo's efforts of promoting and getting good indies on the Switch, they managed to bridge the gap between larger releases um, that would otherwise have been considered uh, dry periods in the very early phases of the Nintendo Switch's lifecycle. And that was kind of pivotal. Uh, That also introduced so many people that would otherwise potentially never play uh, indie games, um, introduced them to that whole market. And it's just been really... It was clever from them, but it was also encouraging for us indie devs, of course. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, c- I can only commend it. And um, how would you like describe, I guess, like the like, future for Braz and also, I guess, like the future of like indie games in general in the foreseeable future? Mm. Um, let's see. So in terms of Fabraz, um, obviously, right now, our focus is entirely on Scaleboy. And uh, we're really excited to see how that uh, how people react to it when it, when it launches this week. Um, we are also internally working on our own game that we're developing, like as, a, as developers again, um, which I, I, I don't want to overhype, but I genuinely believe is going to be something very, very special. And I, I just cannot wait to show it off, hopefully this year. And um, there's nothing you can like reveal on that right now, I imagine. Unfor- right? <laughs> unfortunately not, no. But, but I can tell you that it exists and it's really great. We've been working on it for about a year now. And then who knows what else the future holds, what other games we potentially will represent. 
uh, we always take the stuff one step at a time so that each game and each team gets the love that uh, that it deserves. And then in terms of the, your other question for the you know the uh, indie market and the indie world in general, uh, I'd say we live in a turbulent time right now. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, indies that can uh, not sustain themselves. We've got a lot of indies that release one game and then kind of disappear. So all of that seems pretty scary. Uh, we've got markets that are obviously pretty flooded with games. Um, I think Steam has, what, 50 to 100 games each week that release. There's a lot, yeah. <laughs> um, so all of that seems pretty scary too. But we're also on the precipice of change. Um, we have the next gen of the PlayStation 5 and uh, Xbox Series X, mm-hmm. whatever the name is. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Xbox, basically. Yeah. Exactly, the Xbox. <laughs> uh, so who knows what change that will bring. A healthy dose of frightening and exciting. Yeah, and you alluded also to uh, like that oversaturation that's going on with Steam at the moment, like with like the number of mm. games that are coming out, and maybe even like the quality of games that come out too in that you know in, in those batches. Um, do you feel like that Nintendo is like doing a little bit of that right now as well with the Switch Marketplace? Yeah, I've heard that before, and yes, I agree. There's obviously far more games releasing now than in its first year, um, but I think that's kind of to be expected, and I think. It's, it still very much does not compare to Steam whatsoever because in Steam, basically, the only barricade of getting your game on there is you pay 100 bucks and you pass the most basic quick check for uh, that you don't uh, break any violations. Um, but on the Switch, there, there are still plenty of checks and balances until you actually get your game up there. I mean, you have to get the dev kit. You have to develop the game and port it over to run on the Switch. You have to go through LotCheck, which is relatively vigorous. So I think in terms of the amount of games and the quality of games, the Switch is still a very different place than than Steam is. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, hopefully like things will get better like in terms of like you know, having like more indie devs, I guess, be able to like sustain themselves really in this marketplace. And um, Yeah, exactly. My follow-up question to that then is, in terms of how indie devs can help sustain themselves in this market, what do you feel like has to change? Oof, that's a million-dollar question right there. Um, yeah, not to make it like a politician here or anything, but what's your policy? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, my, my philosophy has always been, don't bet everything just on one uh, on one thing. So if, if you have only one game currently, then try to get it to as many platforms as possible. Um, if you can get several games out there, maybe keep the scope small and kind of see which ones stick and which ones succeed. Um, I think the time, the, the, this, this, this kind of romanticized uh, concept of let's work on a game for eight years and if it's then really great it'll obviously sell automatically really well i think that's a dangerous thing to go down mm. kind of the axiom verge model i guess in that sense yeah yeah and like there are success stories but the thing is is that most people only hear about those handful of success stories and they don't hear about the hundreds the dozens the thousands that also took years and years to develop and then released with nobody even uh you know talking about it at all um so i i would encourage people to not spend more than two, three years on a game tops and figure out a way to potentially finance it already while developing it and not hoping that you're going to make your money back um, when you launch. And then even during the launch, try to get it out to several platforms and don't neglect um, how important it is to get the word out. Uh, Don't just rely on your game being good. 
Do you feel like that there's like a benefit then for indie developers to maybe like seek out like say like a uh, say like an exclusive contract like if like say like a Sony or whatever uh, came up to them and said that like oh we want your game specifically on on the PS4 or like a timed exclusive or whatever it may be and obviously there's like a contract attached to it. Do you feel that that's also viable? Absolutely, I think that is incredibly viable. I think there's no downside to it for the developer because I think the most important part that everybody should hope for is that the developers of whatever game you love. Uh, were physically healthy, mentally healthy, and financially uh, were sustained and got to live a decent life, right? Like that's, <laughs> I think that you wish yeah. that upon any, anybody and uh, you should wish that upon devs too. And I think way too many go through far too many uh, sacrifices. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, absolutely. That's super viable. Yeah, and like the mentally healthy, I think is definitely a viable one there too, for sure. So absolutely. Uh, so yeah, hopefully, you know, again, it does, you know, it does get better in that case for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fabian, thank you very much for speaking with me about Scaleboy. And where could people go in order to find more information about it? So if you're on Twitter, hashtag Scaleboy, you'll find hundreds of tweets. Um, if you Google Scaleboy, same thing, you'll find plenty of links to all the relevant stores. Um, it is up for pre-order right now, still until. Thursday when it launches, uh, Thursday, January 30th, um, the pre-order discount is 10%. So if you are interested, it's worth it. And otherwise, yeah, any help in spreading the word is greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Fabian. Thank you. This is Adam. This is Mike. And this is David. From Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover. We make a fortnightly video game podcast. Fortnite means every two weeks. Covering gaming news, game reviews. I give it five out of five tacos. And whatever crazy audience tweets come in. And sometimes celebrities like Arnold even stop by to sing karaoke. Each episode we feature one burning topic, game dev interview, or super guest friend from the world of gaming. Check us out on the HP Video Game Podcast Network or on sbfvgs.com. I don't care about that. Wow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.